Hey there, and welcome to the Leap Podcast. Striving to meet the greatest challenges facing humanity, Leap is a global tech event and a platform for unearthing the minds of some of the most influential people on the planet. Join our conversations as we explore the pivotal role technology has in reshaping our world. Welcome to another edition of the Leap In podcast series. Today's focus is on the future of water in Saudi Arabia. I'm Richard Spur. Dr. Basil Abu Shark has a PhD in chemical engineering from the University of Wisconsin-Madison. He is a founder and board member of Inocan, a $700 million inorganic chemicals producer in Ras Al Khair, Saudi Arabia, which utilizes a brine recycling technology patented by him. He also patented and commercialized the first and most efficient technology for desalinating high salinity brines, higher than 100,000 ppm salt content. He constructed the first membrane-based brine concentration and salt production plant from seawater in Indonesia, with production capacity of 200,000 TPA of 99.8% pure salt. He is also advisor to the Saudi Research Development and Innovation Authority, the RDI, on sustainable and competitive supply of essential needs. He also advised SWCC and DTRI on brine concentration project development and technology commercialization. He developed numerous water treatment projects, including nanofiltration, produced water treatment, and high recovery desalination. Basil, welcome. What are the most pressing issues facing the water sector in Saudi Arabia? Saudi Arabia is a highly water-stressed country. It's one of the most uh, water-stressed countries uh, in the world, uh, ranked number three or four. Uh, mainly because the amount of rain we receive is very little. Uh, we receive around 200 millimeters of rain per year. That's barely enough to, uh, for the needs of the country and the growing population. So um, that's the biggest problem. We don't have enough rain, we don't have uh, fresh water uh, resources, we don't have rivers, we don't have uh, fresh water lakes. We, we rely on desalinated water and on underground water. This is our biggest, biggest challenge. What would you say are the short and long-term plans for dealing with the water crisis? Currently, we rely substantially on underground water. So we withdraw huge amounts of uh, underground water, close to about 18 billion cubic meters per year. This is about six times the rate of re replenishment of that water. So about uh, four, million, 4 billion cubic meters is the amount of replenishment annually while we withdraw around 18 billion cubic meters per year. Now, so this is a huge gap of 14 billion uh, cubic meters. And as a result, our uh, underground uh, water resources are being depleted and they are getting more saline. That, that's a natural consequence of uh, very fast withdrawals of uh, this underground water. And we don't have an exact date of, uh, of when this underground water is going to run out, but uh, this withdrawal has to be balanced at some point. The, the Ministry of uh, Environment, Water and Agriculture of Saudi Arabia has done uh, huge efforts to reduce uh, these withdrawals. Of course, most of this water goes into agriculture. About 83% uh, of water consumption of Saudi Arabia goes into agriculture. 
many of the irrigation methods that are used by farmers are wasteful. They, they don't use latest technologies for that uh, are efficient. As a result, consumption is huge. What strategies are the Ministry of Environment, Water and Agriculture looking into to mitigate the scarcity of water and that risk? First of all, the ministry is working to limit the withdrawals of underground water by controlling the drilling of wells, putting meters on, the, on those wells, by eliminating some wasteful agriculture that's unnecessary, for example, uh, growing of animal feed uh, that is almost now banned in Saudi Arabia and animal feed has to be imported. It makes a lot more sense to import that animal feed than to produce it here locally in Saudi Arabia. Um, many of the uh, grain ag- agriculture that was very prevalent in, in the last last 40 years in Saudi Arabia is now downsized substantially. So this reduced uh, water underground water consumption. So in, in terms of the withdrawal side, uh, there has been uh, big uh, big change. Uh, managed to reduce withdrawals by around 4 billion cubic meters per year until now. And that happened only over the past six, seven years. And they will continue to do so. Uh, on the other hand, they are trying to increase the resources. And one of, of course, the, the only available resource to us, other than underground water, is uh, seawater desalination. So Saudi Arabia is building many new uh, seawater desalinations that are more uh, energy efficient and larger in size. and they will produce water at a much lower cost than before. Uh, Saudi Arabia is currently the large, largest desalinator of seawater in the world. We produce around 8 million cubic meters per day of uh, desalinated water that goes uh, almost completely into portable water and some industrial uh, applications. And Basel, yes. can, can you talk a little more about the current and maybe the future collaborations in this field? Yes, uh, uh, Saudi, uh, um, there are lots of international collaborations in the field of desalination. Um, there are collaborations with uh, like centers of excellence of desalination around the world, mostly in the United States, uh, for example, uh, with the MIT, uh, with the UCLA in California, uh, with UC Berkeley, and um, uh, there are collaborations also with Japan, uh, with Korea. Uh, all of these countries are have very advanced uh, uh, water desalination and purification technologies, and we have collaboration projects with almost each and every one of those uh, countries. And the objective, uh, as you, is always, to reduce the energy consumption of desalination and to reduce the overall cost of desalination. Let us talk now about the future again, because I'd like to know about your planned water projects. What have you got, and I'm sorry to use the term, in the pipeline? Currently, I'm working on a a brine concentration project with uh, NEOM. Uh, I'm sure you have heard about NEOM. Uh, NEOM is very unique in in that uh, their desalination uh, does not allow return of desalination brines back to the sea. So they want what is called zero liquid discharge desalination. And that requires, that's not easy to do. That requires really special technologies. And um, I just happened to have developed uh, this membrane 
prime concentrator about uh, six years ago and now the market is growing for this application so this is the next project um, and it's a fairly good size project uh, it, it is a two-phase project there's some kind of a demonstration project and then it will be followed by a large-scale project of 500,000 cubic meters per day so this is the biggest thing I'm working also on uh, desalination projects or mostly brine concentration projects and zero liquid discharge desalination so the thing is that I, I think what 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 we do uh, uniquely is that we uh, we look at the sea uh, as as a resource and as the brine produced from desalination as a resource not as a burden and we try to extract value out of this brine and we do that by extracting the salts and the minerals the valuable ones at least and this uh, advancement has been uh, made possible by the development of this brine membrane brine concentration technology and so uh, I have uh, many projects in, in the pipeline as I mentioned new I mentioned, mentioned projects uh, in India that use uh, that require salt for industrial production um, uh, there are also some uh, smaller projects in Japan uh, and in Korea these are countries that uh, that are big salt importers and it will be very beneficial to them to produce their own salt from the desalination brines talk a little if you will about the relationship between firstly water and energy and crucially food the water energy food nexus is a is a very important nexus I, I would say uh, they are very strongly dependent as you know agriculture food requires uh, water whether it is animal or agricultural farming producing water requires uh, energy of course basically the, the objective is to minimize uh, the amount of water required to produce a certain amount of uh, food and there are lots of technologies nowadays that uh, can do this like hydroponics and aquaponics and uh, they practically reduce water consumption by uh, by 30 times 30 times and that's that's a sort of huge uh, reduction so uh, what we need to do is to do wide adaptation of this technology to reduce the amount of water required per kilogram of like, tomatoes or or fruits and that's one aspect. Uh, the other aspect is to reduce the amount of energy required to produce water uh, because uh, desalination is a very energy intensive uh, process. And uh, we are making progress worldwide, very good progress in, in this uh, regard. Uh, we started many years back 10 kilowatt hours per cubic meter. Now we are at around 3 kilowatt hours per cubic meter of water and we hope to bring that down to two maybe 2.2 cubic meter, uh, kilowatt hours per cubic meter and at the same time there's also the carbon footprint you know the, the, the again you, you consume energy you produce a lot of carbon so if we optimize the energy consumption uh, then we reduce the carbon footprint and we are also working on technologies for the capture of the carbon using the desalination brines themselves. So I think there's a lot of progress, there's a lot of science happening and engineering that will help mitigate 
all of these challenges that we're facing. There is an ongoing issue, which for some countries is, is getting worse, of the globe getting warmer, climate change. Have other countries specifically approached you to ask to use your technology to help them and their people? Yes, uh, as I said, we, we did that in Indonesia. Um, uh, uh, practically, that was a national project in Indonesia. They wanted to produce uh, salts, minerals from, from seawater. Uh, and and we, uh, well, we, we managed to successfully do that and build a plant for them. Uh, at the country level, I wouldn't say that we have been dealing with, with countries. We, we deal with, with companies. We deal with people who have business, uh, business models and, and they make money at, at the end of the day. So we haven't been doing this for, uh, w- with subsidies for environmental reasons or, or, or otherwise, which is a very good thing, of course. When you are able to achieve uh, environmental sustainability, without having to subsidize it, then this is a, a beautiful thing. And in our case, we subsidize the environmental aspect by producing minerals from the waste of desalination. Now, you've talked a little about this, but I'd like you to expand upon this point, because I think it's one that people will be very interested in, particularly at the moment. Can we solve, or to what extent can we solve, the water crisis in a sustainable fashion? That's a very challenging uh, question, but... Uh, I think the the key the key the key answer to this is to have the circular economy circular just practically squeeze the last drop of water from every resource we have uh, treat all the wastewater that we have and reuse it be of course minimize the utilization of the use of water improve the technologies, start from homes, start from, from industries, minimize the, the, the consumption, and at the same time, treat and reuse all kinds of wastewater. So you have to work on the consumption uh, side, and we have also to work on the production side, and to do this as sustainably as possible. What specific advice would you give to industry in Saudi Arabia and worldwide, Basel, when it comes to how they might find an optimum way of using and reusing water? I think that the world of technology is doing very well in this aspect. Lots of new technologies are popping up every day. Uh, technologies that reduce the consumption of water or that improve the recycling of water or the treatment of waste. It's just technology. What, what, what's missing is technologies. If we come up with the right technologies, then our, our water problems are solved. So more investment in technology, more investment in research and development, more support of innovations in this field. This is essential for, for all of us, for, for the world, for our livelihood and for our future. You've taken on um, a number of different uh, tasks in your career so far, and your training is uh, is very broad and extensive. But I'm interested to, to, to know, uh, why did you focus um, particularly in the end, on water and its management. What, why is your, your passion um, focused on this particular issue? It's exciting. It's human needs. It's, uh, it impacts the human lives the most. It's the most thing that impacts human lives among the things that I have done uh, in my life. You know, in, 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 we as Muslims, we believe uh, that uh, everything, which means that we made from water, every living thing. So water is really, uh, is a big deal, especially nowadays with, with the, the water scarcity that's facing the world. It's really exciting, an exciting field. And it's, it's, a, 
it's a time where we see really growth in technology. I mean, we, what we have seen in the past few years is amazing. Huge changes, lots of improvements in every aspect. And people are, you know, pushing. Everybody is, is, is contributing a small thing here and there that reduces impact, reduces carbon footprint, that uh, improves the energetics of the process. Uh, so, yeah, it's, it's, it's a very exciting feed, and we'll see a lot more uh, developments over the next few years. Do you think that people in general, members of the public, are now aware of the part they need to play when it comes to dealing with water and its scarcity in some parts of the globe? Uh, unfortunately, no. I, I don't see this in, in people where, uh, in, in places where water is available, uh, especially here in Saudi Arabia, people are just... Uh, don't realize uh, the effort and, and the money and the energy it takes to produce water. Uh, they just take it for granted. Uh, I wish people become uh, more friendly with water. More, uh, man, this is really a scarce commodity. It's not, maybe in certain parts of the world, uh, okay, they do have, they are blessed with lots of rain, lots of water, uh, but not, not us. I, I wish there would be a lot more public awareness of the importance of water so that they can conserve and reduce the use of water and optimize it as much as possible. Because this is something that can run out. And it is an irony, isn't it, that so much of the globe is made up of water, a majority of the globe, and yet some countries, due to their geography, due to their topography, are much more able to use it uh, with much less effort and technology than you're having to employ. It's a very arid and dry region. Not only us, we are among the driest. Egypt, Egypt, surprisingly, is an extremely water-stressed country. They are blessed with the, with the Nile. I mean... Egypt doesn't get a lot of rain uh, itself, so, but the entire Middle East is very highly water stressed, and um, yeah, it's it's. I mean, but go a little north uh, to Europe, uh, maybe a little uh, south uh, in certain parts of Africa, they have plenty of rain. But yeah, this is the way it is, and it, this is the way this is the way it has been. Uh, throughout history, the thing is that the only difference is that uh, population uh, historically has been controlled by the availability of water. Now, with the available, with the technologies of uh, drilling for deep or underground water and with the desalination, that factor is no longer controls populations. So populations keep growing and the demand keeps growing, and we still have to supply them with water. And just finally, what are your ideas about the future of desalination and water management? I believe the most important objective of uh, desalination is to reduce the cost as much as possible, I would say to almost zero, and to reduce the carbon footprint of desalination. 97% uh, of uh, the water in the world is saline water is and so it's a huge resource and we cannot afford not to use it the current desalination processes consume a lot of energy and they have a huge uh, carbon footprint i think it is very possible uh, with proper technologies to reduce the cost of uh, desalination to zero and to reduce the carbon footprint also to zero and we can do that through building much larger desalination facilities uh, use much more efficient equipment, pumps and energy recovery devices, much better, uh, better uh, membranes and better 
pretreatment processes, uh, and this will definitely reduce the energy consumption and the overall cost of uh, desalination. At the same time, we need to subsidize the, uh, the cost of desalination by producing minerals from the brine of desalination. There are lots of valuable minerals in the brine of desalination, lithium, magnesium, uh, potassium, uh, we have rubidium, we have bromine, and these are very valuable minerals uh, that can subsidize completely the cost of the desalination and possibly produce them some profit. And uh, this kind of mining uh, from brines is much more sustainable than the conventional land mining processes that we have now. Uh, in terms of water management, we have to have better distribution networks, better detection of leaks, uh, having uh, using artificial intelligence to measure and uh, detect leaks and fix them. Of course, we have to utilize uh, artificial intelligence in entire, uh, overall the entire value chain of water production from desalination to distribution and transportation. This will can have a huge impact on, on, on the cost. And the final thing is to recycle and uh, reuse almost the entire wastewater that we produce, whether industrial or civil wastewater. And if we manage to do this, then we can really solve, hopefully, the, the water crisis of the globe. Basel, thank you very much indeed. And Basel Abu Shark will also be joining us for the next edition of LEAP, taking place from February the 6th to the 9th, 2023, in Riyadh, Saudi Arabia. So, we look forward to seeing you there. And we'll be back soon with another edition of the Leap In podcast series.